So War of the Worlds. Welcome to the Booze Cruise Podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, we'll introduce you in the next segment. But have you seen this movie? I okay. So here's my experience with this movie. When 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 did it come out? Two thousand five. Two thousand five. So I was seven years old. Oh my and gosh! My parents, I guess, like thought it would be a really fun family movie oh, for all no. of us. And so all I remember is watching it at home. So I guess it was like after it came out on DVD. So like right after. Yeah. And so again, I'm seven years old and I was watching this movie and I just remember being horrified, <laughs> like didn't even get through it. My parents sent me downstairs, so like me and Cole to my brother to watch SpongeBob because <laughs> to cleanse your palate. <laughs> yes, because we were I was like, what? And my mom, I guess, like vastly underestimated She's like, this how is a fun family movie. Terrifying. This movie was it was. Oh, oh my God. So, yeah, we all went downstairs. I don't remember. I mean, I'm sure the older siblings watched it, but I think me, Holly and Cole all went downstairs, all went downstairs and I've never finished it. I've never seen it since. OK, so this is kind, so kind, of, new, kind of a new movie for you because you it's been a while. You're you're not you're far from seven. So, yeah, it's I literally thought it was like a straight horror movie because I was like so afraid okay, so of it. Which, I saw it. It came out my freshman year of college. That's so much older I am than you. That makes me <laughs> want to die. And I remember I drove up. So I went to Eastern. So I was in Richmond and we drove up to Lexington because there was a bunch of uh, my friends that went to UK and we watched this movie and I just remember like the 30 minute drive back to Eastern. I was like legit terrified. <laughs> like, I was like freaking out. Like the street lights looked like I was like, oh my gosh, there'd be aliens coming down from the free. Like it, it is actually like, I, I can't imagine as a seven year old, I was like a freaking I, freshman in college and I was freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like from what I remember though, it's a little bit quiet placey maybe okay it's been it's been since 2005 since i've seen it so there's really not a whole lot i remember about it except the fact that i was completely freaked out after yeah uh uh you might need to walk me to my car tonight <laughs> so just like this is not it's gonna be i feel like it is even scary to adults i think it probably doesn't have the jump factor that a quiet place has because i think it's more sci-fi mm -hmm. but i do think it's still very scary yeah. And, um, the one, I don't know. I have this weird, you can cut this if you want, cause no, it might ahead. not be relevant, yeah, but just one, I it. randomly have this like weird memory. The only thing I remember from this movie is Dakota Fanning telling Tom Cruise that she's allergic to peanut butter <laughs> and he doesn't know that even though it's her father. And I think that that like still sticks with me. Like, how do you not know that your child has a deadly peanut butter allergy? <laughs> I just love that seven-year-old Emma was like, that was the thing that was stuck like, with he you. He is a terrible parent. <laughs> Tom Cruise is awful. Well, look at his parenting skills. Yes, um, he pulled he pulled his parenting skills for the movie from his real-life parenting skills, apparently. apparently so. Yes. I will, honestly, though, like, probably, because obviously I have to write trivia down for it, so I, like, know a little bit more going into it, mm -hmm. and... Definitely questionable parenting skills in this movie. I can let you know that for sure. But you already knew because that was yeah, the only thing you remember. Because he doesn't know she has a peanut right. allergy. And oh I remember, my gosh. Well, I remember they, like, they're like divorced or something. He doesn't get to spend a lot of time yeah. with her. So I think that's the angle they're going from. But I don't know. I still was like, you'd think you'd remember that. She stayed at your house before. Like, you should know that. Well, she's your child. <laughs> yeah. So you should know that. Uh, all right. Well, there's only one way for us to find out if Tom Cruise's parenting skills get better throughout <laughs> the movie or not. And that is to watch the movie. Are you ready to I'm watch War of the Worlds? I'm so ready. Slightly terrified. But all right. Ready. Let's do it. All right. Eight thirty. We said eight o'clock. Get a hug. 
Robbie's got a paper, which he's yet to begin. I just gotta type it up. You just gotta start writing it first. Take care of our kids. You got nothing to worry about. That is so weird. The wind is blowing toward the storm. It's okay. Lightning doesn't strike twice. Where is this under? Robbie, you saw the lightning? Yeah, 26 times on Lincoln Avenue. Welcome to episode 27 of the Booze Cruise podcast. My guest for today, I'm also collecting mosses. I've had a few mosses on the on the podcast, um, but my pie, or my uh, guest today on the podcast, Miss Emma Moss, welcome to the podcast. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, hey. We just finished War of the Worlds. It is lightning and thunderstorming outside. We yeah, have- let the record show. <laughs> That it, is, that it is lightning. It is very <laughs> ominous outside. Yeah. Um, and I, it gave the movie honestly a different feeling um, because it felt like at any moment the lightning could strike and aliens would plummet down to earth. Yeah. The director of War of the Worlds is the one and only Steven Spielberg. Spielberg. Do you know the other Tom Cruise movie that Steven Spielberg did? Uh, probably, but I'll have to think. It came out just a few years before this one. It wasn't, they weren't very far apart. Oh, uh, then no, I'm not sure. You're not sure? Mm-hmm. Minority Report. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. So it came out like three years before this. Interesting. I'm, I didn't, I didn't know that that was Spielberg. And fun trivia fact that I wrote down was that after this movie, um, Steven Spielberg refused to work with Tom Cruise again because of all of his Scientology stuff. <laughs> He was like, no, I'm not doing this Spielberg again. Did? Yes. Interesting. So he yeah, was, he's a crazy person. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> yeah, we're not doing that. Um, Interesting. Okay, so, so after this movie, he said we're never working. Yeah, he's like, I'm not. I don't know if that's like, I don't know if he told Tom Cruise that or if it came out in like an interview or something, but he was like, yeah, no, I'm not working with him anymore. Which is funny because I feel like Tom Cruise. such a good actor. Um, I feel like Tom Cruise later on like in the last like decade of his career has only worked with a handful of directors. Like he keeps to, he tends to like stick with the same 
And I'm like, it's probably because it's the only ones that'll put up with him. <laughs> yeah, I. We had a, we're going to talk about Scientology here in a little bit because Emma has a lot to say. I do. I know a lot but, about Scientology. Um, yes, but we, so we'll get to that. This movie has a lot to do with uh, Tom Cruise's Scientology days. But before I get to the Rotten Tomatoes score, okay. on a scale of one to 10, okay. what would you give this movie? Seven. A seven? Mm-hmm. Like it was really good, but I think the ending's a little confusing. It is confusing. And not super clear. We had to watch it like three times. We saw the same yeah. shot of Tom Cruise crying at the end. <laughs> well, I just feel like it could have been uh, clearer why the aliens were dying because it never really said and it only ever talked about one machine dying on its own. Like it That's wasn't true. like they ever mentioned like a mass casualty. And then I'd be like, oh, OK, something is killing them. Yeah. But they never said that. They showed them taking down a few and then one died. And so, and then they expected you to just know yeah, just that get it. all yeah. of the aliens were dying because of these bacteria. So I just don't know that that Especially ending played because, super well. So the first one that dies is the one that Tom Cruise launches the grenades into. Yes. But he's like already inside the shield, right? Because he gets taken into like the basket of humans underneath of it. Yeah. So even that That's part, true. even that part of it is like the shield hasn't weakened yet obviously because he throws a grenade at it right before that happens and it like bounces off the shield yeah well and i also don't get so the the tripods the big machine things are not the aliens they are like a basically like a tank they're ships yeah like the aliens so why are the ships getting sick and their shields are going like why are the aliens not getting like wouldn't it be that's an excellent point like, Emma, why actually is the machinery failing because of bacteria that's an excellent point yeah we'll talk about the ending and what we think the ending meant because you're right now that you say that, that yeah absolutely like, doesn't make sense like, why would, i mean unless like there's a an alien on the inside whose job is to work the shield and he like had passed well, out and then no one sh- was working the they shield. do show that alien right at the end that like dies so maybe he's the shield guy i don't know <laughs> That's shield guy. That's, that's after it's been like launched with bazookas though. Who, like, who Bill? Yeah, he was supposed to be in charge of the shield. Damn it, Bill. Yeah, I know. Jeez. <laughs> um so the Rotten Tomato score, it had a I would say, okay, so I have to rate it too. You said seven. Mm-hmm. Um I'd say I would say like it was 7.5. Yeah, yeah. Around there. It was good. I was riveted. Yeah. It keeps your attention. Color me riveted. Color me riveted. <laughs> um it definitely keeps your attention, but it definitely yeah, it doesn't really make sense. And Can also this some of the CGI does not hold up. Can I talk about how I just found that Spielberg even says the ending doesn't make sense? Okay, so everyone <laughs> was like, I'm going to Google it. Everybody the listen meant. to me. I did like after just to make sure that Jess and I were right. I did like a nice little, you know, you've done it like yeah. War of the Worlds ending explained. The first thing that comes up is an article called from Screen Rant, which is pretty reliable. That says Spielberg admits War of the Worlds ending doesn't make sense. <laughs> and I'm like, I'll say. <laughs> um after mentioning how Ray's relationship was his, with his children was meant to be the nucleus of the movie, Spielberg once referred to Ray's emotional journey as an antithesis of Roy Neary's relationship with his children. In Close Encounters of the Third Kind, he told Cameron that he never could figure out how to end that darn thing. <laughs> Referring to the abrupt finale, he outright said the film doesn't have a good ending. The major critique regarding the movie's ending has to do with the alien's Achilles heel. In the final act, tension comes to an abrupt standstill. Once it's discovered that alien the aliens cannot survive, 
among the various microbes inhabiting the planet once they leave their crafts referred to as tripods and are exposed to the air they die upon contact but they didn't but they didn't when they yeah but they didn't when they were in the house well maybe maybe well that's wrong but maybe it just means it like started slowly killing them like yeah as a courtesy cameron refers to the similarly uneventful payoff in wells he's the author of the book's original ending i don't think hg wells could figure it out either the common cold (laughs) takes out the bad guys did you know that it was based on a book I do now. Okay, so H.G. Wells, who also wrote The Time Machine. Did you read that in high school? No. I just think it's interesting how, sorry. No, go ahead. How Spielberg even, like, the the very thing that Jess and I were sitting here kind of confused about was, like, I'm confused. Because it shows, like I said, it, it only shows one dying on its own, and then the rest are killed. So it's like, how are we supposed to just assume that they all died of natural causes when, like, of the four that we saw die, three were killed of bazookas and bullets it it feels like it's like a time thing right so it's like their time of exposure and whatever but and then at the end i guess it does show tons of them lying around dead so but i I just feel like it wasn't enough for you to get it and it's funny because that's pretty much the exact thing that spielberg is saying he doesn't like about it so it's like yeah we could have given like 10 more minutes yeah yeah that if it had like a little more explanation like even if when tom cruise is walking through boston and he's asking all the army guys like what happened what happened if they could have a little bit more like it would clear it up so much right like if they if if instead of saying like i don't know it walked in circles and died on its own if they were like they're all dropping like flies we don't know it like that would even like or even like i feel like you could have done you're saying morgan freeman's voiceover was not enough for you (laughs) (laughs) Um, even if they had like a news report or something like if it flashed to like something something. that was like that explained it a little bit because it makes it would make sense that like the military on the ground maybe didn't know exactly what was happening you know like they're not the experts on it but they're down there like witnessing but like you said like i don't know they're all like falling it's just something to imply that they were all dying of natural causes because again of the four that we watched die three of them died from explosions explosions and bullets that's true so the time machine is one of hg wells other popular books and it came out there's a movie that came out in 2002 Uh so not too long before this was well, four years old so, so I don't. well yeah obviously <laughs> oh my gosh um but guy pierce is in it guy pierce um and we watched that in high school i remember when that movie came out but like honestly hg wells wrote these books in like the 1890s so really? like, yeah so like big deal for hg wells in the early wow. 2000s as far as like movie adaptations of his books well, just like to write about this hardcore so, machinery when so in the original book they're they are actually martians so he calls them okay. Martians okay. from Mars. Okay. There's been multiple adaptations of this book. Yeah. I just and saw. This is, yeah. This isn't even the first. Show. This isn't even the first movie adaptation. So this uh, was actually like a remake. Interesting. Of like a movie from like the 50s. Gotcha. Um, but every time they've made it, it's like they've taken it and adapted it to like that time period. Right. So obviously this one's, you know, 2005. Set, yeah. Set in 2005. Um. But I will tell you this. So the critics gave mm-hmm. this a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. So okay. I'm about in line with what we were saying. Yeah. like um, The audience score, though, 42%. Interesting. And I find that I don't. OK, so but here's my question and we'll move, we'll talk about this. Actually, let's talk about it now. This could have this is the interesting movie. OK. And all of Tom Cruise's filmography lore mm-hmm. that this is the movie that he was promoting 
when the couch jumping incident happened on Oprah. Dun, dun, dun. Do you think <laughs> so? We have we have the um, advantage of watching this movie 17 years after that happened. Right. And Tom Cruise has kind of redeemed himself since then because they told him to stop talking. Right. Exactly. <laughs> They're like, you got to stop talking Dude, about stuff. Up. Got, yeah. Just shut That's up. a real thing. His PR team after a few in, uh, incidents such as the Matt Lauer, Brooke Shields incident, and his, his PR team and he was in like a Scientology promotional video which Jess and I just watched which is insane where I urge you I, I pray you if you have not seen it <laughs> go, go google it it's like nine minutes of him like continuously talking but he never actually says anything and I assure you that you've seen a meme from this video yeah. and, didn't never know, seen it. and didn't know that that's what it was from yeah so anyway after that this is a real thing his PR handlers people were getting so creeped out by him <laughs> And being like, okay, there's something wrong with this guy. And it was like tanking his, his public opinion. Yeah. So his, and like people didn't want to cast him as much anymore, even though like, let's be real, he's an incredible actor. And so his PR team was like, you have to stop. (laughs) They told him like, you're only basically in public going to talk about your movies and you can only talk about Scientology at Scientology events or else like we won't manage you anymore. Like they told him like, you got to quit. Yeah. You got to stop, man. And honestly, like it is interesting. I didn't want, I'm not watching his movies in like chronological order, but Mm -hmm. like it takes, he takes a huge dip after this. Like there's a huge dip and like, the third Mission Impossible came out right after this, I think. And it's like yeah. the worst box office of all the Mission Impossible I movies. I really don't think the Brooke Shields thing fared well for him. No, it, there was kind of a series of unfortunate events for Tom Cruise. Caused and by Tom Cruise. Ca- caused by Tom Cruise. Yeah, <laughs> no, 100%. But he, but I wonder if the audience score 42% is a reflection of how much people didn't like him during that time. time. Uh, I because, don't know. Because I don't think that this movie is that bad. No, I was I was entertained. I was riveted and I thought there were some amazing shots, which I wrote down so we can get into those later. But yeah. I, I mean, it had to have been. I think people at the time were really creeped out by it. Yeah. I mean, and I just think that uh, I, I especially think with the Scientology thing, I think that that is still kind of frowned upon just with everything that's come out about it. But at like um, the abuses and stuff. But at the same time, back then, it was just like a new religion that seemed weird. Yeah. And people, I'm sure, were not on board with it just even for those reasons. Well, so and I, I think it just was like there was a part of like Tom Cruise's appeal. Like in the 80s and 90s when he first came out was like he was like the charming, handsome, attractive like and then he just went got crazy yeah yeah and it was like okay this is not we are not attracted to you anymore this is bizarre yeah like and and seriously if you watch like any of his videos from this time that like i've been doing it in like preparation of this because we said we might talk about this (laughs) Emma's Emma's actually been uh told she's been sucked into the church of scientology not like into the church (laughs) but like i i started watching i i do know a fair amount about this topic because i did watch all three seasons of scientology in the aftermath so i know a lot of like creepy stories about it and then i've also just watched ever since that i was like how like it was just one of the same reminds was like how does this keep hat like how has no one stopped this yet so i like kind of went down the rabbit hole and i listened to this podcast about it by leah remini and oh yeah um, she's she's the one to listen to if you want to get all the scoop yeah and and just the people she has on uh and work with her as well well and i think too like i think there's a point of like tom Cruise, like he was such a big icon in the 80s and 90s and was in so many big movies and everybody loved tom cruise that i genuinely feel like he thought like i am invincible 
And so sure he did. Like he my seems public kinda... persona is invincible. So I can, I can be, I can try and convince people to come to Scientology. I can be this like crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, and to him, he didn't think he was being crazy, but like, I think he saw it as like his mission of like, I have so much influence. So I need to talk about this. And then all of a sudden it was like, Whoa, we reject that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, which that is a, you know, kind of a recurring theme in a lot of religions is like people with high influence or yeah. even just like in Christianity, even like you as like a believer, it's your job to like spread that. But I think, think that in terms of Scientology like the general population doesn't want that they're like, like no like, that's weird yeah well and also I think there's a thing of like just unrelated to Scientology or maybe caused by Scientology but not necessarily in direct relation to Scientology like the things he says like the couch jumping thing that wasn't necessarily him talking about Scientology but it's just bizarre behavior that kind of goes with it and yeah it's just like it's not normal and, yeah and like all nobody's those things together are yeah. like eh. it was kind of like the perfect storm so to yes. speak of like weird incidents that happened and it was like okay we love you Tom Cruise but like not like that like we don't want that and then it was like the public just kind of rejected him so here's here's a fun fact so the whole couch jumping incident on Oprah so because it was promoting this movie Steven Spielberg was supposed to be there, but because the post-production ran, so they filmed this on the Oprah show. He was. Yeah. So post-production for this movie, they didn't have a, like the release date got pushed up. So post-production was like crammed into like a much shorter amount of time. So Steven Spielberg couldn't make the interview because he was helping the editors and like doing all this stuff. Do you think, is this like a linchpin in time? Had Steven Spielberg been there? Would Tom Cruise have jumped on the couch <sighs> and would Tom Cruise's career have tanked? Pro- I mean, probably like probably if you're going to do it with Oprah there, why not with Spielberg? There? Well, I feel like if he's sitting next to him on the couch, he's probably not going to get <sighs> up and jump on the couch. Right. I don't know. He's so crazy. I don't know. <laughs> so here's like I you would think not, but like I wouldn't jump on a couch in an interview, period. So like, do you There's all- no telling what he'd do? I, I don't know. That is a good question. I. I guess I wouldn't put it past him because again, like in general, like a normal person wouldn't get up and jump on the couch anyway. So it's like, would another person being there have stopped? I also don't know that the subject of Katie Holmes would have come up if Steven Spielberg was there. Cause if they were just promoting the movie, like would Oprah have even asked maybe probably, but I feel like it wouldn't have been like the topic of conversation. I haven't watched. It's been a while since I've seen it. I haven't gone back and watched like the entire. Yeah, interview. I have to go back and watch uh, who brought it up. Here's my thought, though. If that hadn't happened, if Steven Spielberg was there and he hadn't jumped on the couch. Odds are something else would have happened somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, he just wasn't in his right mi- mind at that point. I think that if that hadn't happened, he would have said something. Else. It would Well, something he would have been on some other talk show and something yeah, else would have happened. Yeah. And it's. Yeah, I don't know. I always kind of feel bad for Katie Holmes when I watch those videos because she's like kind of uncomfortable. Like, feel like yeah, hundred percent. Then it's, it's also weird. Like, don't marry him. Like, uh, okay. So our drink for the episode. We'll come back to the Scientology stuff, but the drink I'm calling. We touched on it a lot. We did. I'm calling the drink the tripod <laughs> because it has three ingredients it was in good. it. It was delicious. I wrote that it kind of tasted like a Jolly Rancher. It did. It did. But not kinda. like a specific flavor. It just kind of felt like this could be a Jolly Rancher flavor. It, it was like fruity. It was fruity. So but I told Jess specifically, I was like, I don't like anything that's too strong. Like I need something because I'm kind of a little. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I was about to say I'm a little bitch. <laughs> I'm kind of a wimp about 
alcohol like being super so strong. This was, that so this was good so for you. This was perfect. Very fruity. Yes, you so nailed it. You understood the assignment. I understood the assignment, and it had peach schnapps in it because which I've never had before, and I didn't even know what it was. I had to go like find it at the yeah. liquor store. Um, but when Tom Cruise's character Ray Ferrier is hunkered down with Tim Robbins. Um, in the basement Andy of Dufresne. this house, <laughs> he um he finds a giant thing of peach schnapps, and they're both like mad about it, but they drink it because they're like, "Ugh, peach schnapps." There's a ton of this, like whatever. So I was like, "Okay, obviously, I have to put that in the drink." So it has peach schnapps in it, lime juice, and soda water. Um, I used a little bit of club soda, but then I also used some uh, sparkling grapefruit. Uh, flavored water which i think actually added a lot to the taste so um it was delicious though very light and refreshing highly recommend i told emma i said uh, it's kind of hit or miss with cocktails on the podcast but i think this one was a was a hit for sure it was um okay so overarching aerial view of this movie is basically there's a dad ray farrier tom cruise's character he is um as we talked about in the all aboard segment not a great father (laughs) sucks i literally wrote in my notes literally such a shitty father on all counts exclamation point he kind of redeemed himself by the end yeah i mean he saved him so spoiler alert i mean that's like the least he could Dude. I guess. And yeah. he only saved one. The other one survived by luck. That's true. <laughs> he really tried though. And that yeah. that kid was a punk. He was yeah. like, let me go, dad, into like running into a field of giant alien robots. I actually have notes about that part when we get there. Okay. So, so he's they're coming to stay with their dad for the weekend, whatever. They do this periodically. And um a lot of I actually thought the script was pretty good. It, the dialogue was very natural. Which sometimes in situations like that, it's not. Yeah. And if I may, I liked how uh, acting wise and just script and shot wise, you got a lot about the family. Yeah. Without them saying anything like, I mean, obviously you can see that like the parents are divorced. Right. But it's interesting just like the way that Spielberg set it up or like the writers like you got like the whole backstory of kind of of their divorce. And it almost showed like they the mom and dad still got along, but they you know, obviously had issues, but they still like love each other. And then there's this whole dynamic where even without Tom Kerr saying it, you can tell he's jealous of the stepdad yeah, because he's kind of like the new dad and he's got the money. Like it shows both their houses and there's a big difference. And he feels like the stepdad is providing and he's not. And like, none of this is said, right. But just the acting and like the looks they give each other and the way that they deliver lines, like you can just see it. So I think that's really good acting and good direction on Spielberg's part. Yeah. hundred percent. No, I think that's completely accurate. And I feel like they really set up to, so that's interesting that you said that there's a lot of like visual cues because I read a, one of my trivia facts is that, and you probably most people don't even pick up on this, but, um, the son is wearing a Boston Red Sox hat. And, I did not notice that. And Tom Cruise's character is wearing a New York Yankees hat, which is a notorious rivalry in baseball. Interesting. And they d- obviously do not get along, um, Ray and his son. So, uh, so that's just like a, it's like a subtle nod to, and because like they live in Boston. So like, that's like the whole, you know, whatever. But, um, so basically like there's this whole, like you set up the family dynamic perfectly. Yeah. And, while they're there for the weekend to stay with their dad, um, aliens invade the planet. <laughs> so there's this huge lightning storm 
And at first everyone's like, what is happening? This is kind of cool. Like whatever. Yeah. And then aliens start emerging from the earth. I loved that scene. If I may yes. interject, go right ahead. I loved that scene because again, I, he is, he's gotta be one of the best actors of, I love of the I day. Love like his acting. he is so good in every, every yeah. movie. And, and I don't, he's just, he's so good. So like, I loved that scene. I think what makes him really good is you can just tell every he's an open book. Like yeah. even when he's not saying anything, like you can just see in everything about his body language, like exactly what he's thinking. Yeah. And obviously that's like acting, but I just feel like he like takes it to another level than like yeah. a lot of actors, him and you know, a few other greats. But I just feel like this scene was so cool. Just watching him like slowly devolve from like, you know, everyone, I don't know if everyone's dad does this. My dad, when it's a big storm, we'll yeah. like sit outside yeah. and like look at it. And, um, dad, get in here. Yeah. And you're like, dad, get inside. Like everyone, yeah. like literally everyone is saying this is dangerous. And he's like, Oh, it's fine. He's it's out fine. there I'll be fine. just watching it. Yeah. And like to devolve from like that version of like a dad and then like slowly realizing that something's not right. And then slowly realizing, Oh, something terrible is happening. And like that gradual realization was like, Oh yeah, really good Spot acting on. and really good writing and just yeah. again well, and to knocked like, it out of the park. Especially like to your point, like it's not like they filmed all that in sequence, right? Yeah. So the fact that he's able to like ride that emotional line like clearly all the way through that without any like missteps is actually huge. Uh, yeah, I mean, he he just is a great act. like he just is, and yeah. I love how he uses his body too. Like, um, I. To go off on a tangent. I don't know how long we can talk, but I'm having fun. You just talk however long you want, Emma. I'm having fun. Welcome to the Booze Cruise Podcast. (laughs) I know. I'm having fun. Do it. Um, But I just feel like, so there's like this certain technique of acting that like I learned a little bit of. I've literally only taken like one semester of it. So I'm by no means like an expert, but I really connected with it as a, as a former dancer because I was, it's all about your body and like how like, for example, if uh, your body, if you like push hard enough against something and like fight for something to get away from you hard enough, eventually that's going to make you feel some type of way. Yeah. Um. Or like if you're loose enough and floaty enough, like that makes you feel some type of way. And it's kind of like these emotions emerging from your body language. Right. Rather than your body language emerging from your emotions. Gotcha. And it's just a different way of thinking. But he, I feel like, is so physical and like everything. Like one shot that comes to mind is when uh he realizes that he's gotten into the Andy Dufresne bunker. Oh, yeah. What's his actual name? Tim Robbins. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What's his real name? He's gotten into this bunker with this man and he, they were just running and everybody else ran off and they're the only ones that stayed. Yeah. And he kind of has this realization where he's like, Oh my God, I got in here and I brought my daughter in here with a crazy person. He's not just trying to hide. He's not trying to help. He's literally thinking like the, two of us we're the rebellion are gonna yeah. take this yeah. <laughs> huge thing. yeah and he's gonna get us killed because he's trying to be all loud and proud and like he just realizes he's crazy there's that great shot where he yeah. covered half his yeah and, like just shaking and yeah. he so he took his like fists up to like his cheekbones and just his eyes were like you couldn't even see half of his face but you could see his body and his eyes yeah and you knew exactly what he was thinking and yeah. that he was thinking like i might have to kill this guy and yeah. like all of that like that one look said all of that 
And it's just so amazing that he can do that. Yeah. Like, you know exactly what he's thinking. Yeah. And you couldn't even see half his face. Yeah. I feel like to speak to that, like physicality, like even in that scene where like the aliens first starts emerging from the earth, Mm -hmm. like what did I write? I said, Tom Cruise um, loves a good explosion reaction. He loves it and he <laughs> lives for it. Like almost every action movie, there's like, like reaction of like something exploding. And I'm like, but you believe him. Like you oh, believe yeah. like every, like I was like, oh, oh, look, Tom Cruise is running again. Imagine that. But like, I think that's why he likes action movies so much, because I think he likes the physicalness of like, I think he, because I think to your point, I think one of the things that makes Tom Cruise such a good actor is because he believes that he is this character. Like, I think he like, oh, yeah. he like convinces himself that he is experiencing this right now. Crazy. Right. I know, but they say it's most of being crazy. That's right. Most geniuses though. <laughs> are, yeah. No, I, I think he's incredibly talented as much as I think he's a kind of a wackadoo in his yeah. personal life. Yeah. He is so talented. It's like crazy. Like he inhabits those characters. I think that does come through in like that physicality. Like he is a very physical actor was yeah. my whole point in saying yeah. that. But yeah. And um, even like in like my sister pointed out we were teaching acting and I was kind of talking about like that physical acting stuff to one of our classes and she like pulled up a specific scene from Jerry Maguire. Yes. And it's the locker room scene. Yes. And where he's like, I need you yeah. to help or whatever yeah. he's saying. Help like me. Yes. Help, help you. you. And like the intensity with which he's saying that it's like all stemming from like his like body language. It's he's well, just he's so, so talented. He's so passive and he kicks the wall. Like he does a whole where he like turns yes. around and he like kicks the wall and he's mm-hmm. like, like everything in him is like because this is his last shot like believe it or not that's something i remember (laughs) so shout out to moss performing arts academy (laughs) where where i uh, trained from ages five to 18 and where you now teach yes and um but anyway so one of our teachers there one time he was teaching kind of like touching on us i was probably like 15 and he was touching with us on this kind of like physical acting idea he's the one who first introduced me to the idea that like doing something enough with your body results in you feeling some type of way and bringing out natural right. emotion because your body and your mind are connected. Yeah. So he had like this big exercise ball and he kind of like hugged it to like hold it in place. And I was supposed to be angry and he was having me kick this ball Yeah. over and over and over. And like, he was like, focus all your energy on like yelling at the ball, hurting the ball, pretend yeah. the ball is a person you're mad at. And like, I, I struggled with acting a little bit my whole life. I, I felt like I could never quite get real emotion out. And I yeah. swear that that was like the first time that I felt like actually I wasn't faking yeah. the acting and it was really truthful. Yeah. And I feel like that's what Tom Cruise does. Yeah. He gets himself all worked up. Off. Yes. <laughs> like, but he does like, I think there was, I forget what the line was in this movie, but like he turned around and I was like, Tom Cruise has that line in every movie where it's like, it just ramps up really fast where he oh, like, yeah. what line was it? I can't you, remember you said that. I was like, I, but he always has that where it's like, it just all, it's like goes from zero to 60 in like less than two seconds. Like where it just like, it completely ramps up. I can't was, remember what the line was. I didn't uh, write it down. I don't I think I, I thought I might've written it down. Um, but I'm like, that's like his like, go. like, I think he, that's like his go-to line. Like it's kind of like the help me help you. Like yeah. that idea of like, where he's just at the end of his rope. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but so these, uh, I love, this is like, it is like literally my favorite thing to talk about like acting and directing like I love it and so I am like living for this conversation well if we wanted to get into directing 
Let's do it, man. If you don't mind. Okay, do so it. hop in. This is why I have you on the podcast. I have two things. So there's a scene in this movie. Uh, these are both Spielberg things. And I don't know if any of y'all, uh, any of y'all out there, all y'all, all y'all, all three of you listeners, Aaron Hannigan, Mark Ross, and <laughs> Karen Ross, Karen Ross. I couldn't remember your mom's name. Mom, uh, Mama Ross. Uh, well, I don't know. There's a scene where they're hiding in the basement. Andy Dufresne, Tom Cruise, and Dakota Fanning. Who, by, by the way, Dakota Fanning is awesome. She's and great. She's so I, good. So I'm one of my trivia facts. Such a good little actress. She really is. Like, because she was probably like what eight? I think she's my eight. Is she your age? How old is Dakota Fanning? <laughs> okay, she's 28, and I'm 23. So I was seven when this she came was 12. out. Twelve. That's twelve. Still, she that's looks, amazing. She looks younger than yeah. twelve. Well, it's funny because actually one of my trivia facts is that for whatever reason, because I think she's phenomenal in the film and I don't think this yeah. is a slam on her acting, but um, MTV voted her the most useless thing to have in an apocalypse <laughs> <laughs> after this movie came out. And I was like, well, that's not fair. She's a little girl. Like, she couldn't do anything. But oh, is, my God. That is funny. true. She Honestly, does. Robbie deserves that. I know. It's true. Um, Anyways, okay. directing. So yes, they're so stuck in the basement. They're stuck in the basement and there's this scene where the this eye thing, this camera thing that yeah. they use to like detect life and destroy it if possible. They're it's like floating on the basement and it's dead silent and they're walking around like trying to like stay out of its sight. And yeah. all I could think of was how it was the exact same scene as the v Velociraptor yes. kitchen scene. Yes, I wrote that in Jurassic yes. Park. It's yes. the same scene. It it's literally, literally is literally is the same scene. You know how like the, the raptor walks in and it's like peeking around corners and then they move and then you're like, oh, my God, it's got him. But they're not there. Even like the literally. shot of them, like looking at the camera and yeah, like there's like that them. amazing shot where yeah. there's like the mirror between like <sighs> It, it literally was like basically the identical shot as when the raptor's head is here and then there's the edge of the table and then the little yeah. girl. It was that, but with a camera, a yeah. mirror, and Tom Cruise, Andy Dufresne, and Dakota yeah. Fanning. Um, I need to stop calling him Andy Dufresne. It's That's fine. not the no, right. It's, uh, no, I love Everyone it. Everyone knows who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. <laughs> yeah, and so I wrote that and I just thought it was really interesting. Like, I don't know if, I don't know, like if he realized that, it was oh, the I'm same sure. scene I'm or sure if it's it just something that he does and it works so there he was, did it again there was a lot of steven spielberg staples in this movie yeah like a lot of well even like you that scene we were just talking about like you were like steven spielberg loves a slow build yeah like, i said he loves a slow burn yeah, like, a slow burn <laughs> and like the road cracking and like all this stuff and like it takes like literally seven minutes for this alien to emerge from underneath and it literally was like a solid it had to have been like a solid two minutes of just the the ground cracking and yeah. being like what is it what is it what is it what is it yeah <laughs> like waiting and for was it. like maybe they might as well have just been playing the jaws theme yeah like <laughs> while it was cracking i was going i literally was sitting next to jess and i was like donna donna literally though and i'm like so there was a lot of I think he knows he does it, obviously, because I think they're I mean, like, works. they're like calling cards for him, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, it's a Spielberg movie. Yeah. I mean, but that one, but the scene with the camera, you're right, is like almost feels so much like the Jurassic Park yeah. lab scene or whatever. Yeah. Are they it's crazy. Lab? Or no, is it a kitchen? I think it's a kitchen. It's a kitchen. You're it's right. It's like a kitchen, like in what would have been a restaurant when the park opened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, and then I also wrote that he loves shots through something that are framed by something in the yes. shot yeah yeah so like the first one in this movie that i noticed was the camera so a man yes is some asshole is trying to film <laughs> i literally so many people with cameras i'm I, like it is an alien i literally Run. like there is literally a shot of like this guy holding like a a digital camera because yes. it was 2005 and i was like what an asshole like <laughs> 
dude what are you doing get up and run like everybody else you piece of shit Um, that's hilarious no i love it (laughs) but then he's like laying there and but then anyway he gets zapped and the camera drops and you see them film through the camera like one of those little screens that pulls out from the camera to the alien that was the first one uh there's another one that i noticed where there this was like one of the most hard to watch scenes in the movie i thought where they um are trying to get on this ferry and they're not letting any more people on so some people get in the cars to like hide so they don't get pushed around in the crowd well the aliens start tipping the ferry over and uh the cars fall into the water and they have this really great scene where tom cruise is really great shot where Tom Cruise is looking in the windshield of a car that has people in it that are like yes. screaming and he's like kind of looking in there realizing like, oh, these people are going to die and I can't help them. Yeah. Because he has his own two kids that he's trying to hold and keep up. And he just looks at them and like makes eye contact and then they sink. And that shot was done from like the back seat of the car. Yeah. Almost. It's like the, the two seats in the front yeah. are like framing Tom Cruise's face. Yeah. yeah. And then the last one that I noticed was probably the best one. Yeah. Where he gets in a car tom cruise does to hide because he goes out to look for his little girl and it ends up whatever uh he thinks she's gone and then she starts screaming again yeah so he's like he's like talk to me i can't hear you i don't know where you are and it's quiet you kind of assume i thought she might have died i was like is that where we're going with this movie whoa whoa whoa. Um, this has got really dark i already lost one kid i know um he is upside down in the car and earlier in the movie a man like punched like ripped a hole in their windshield because they were desperate to try to get a car so they were trying to steal the car and uh he's upside down in the car and through that hole in the windshield you it's like framing perfectly dakota fanning and what's cool is like the alien ship is like has a spotlight on her so it's like literally like her in that yeah. and it's spotlight like right in the middle it's of the frame. It's a great shot. It's an excellent That's shot. That's the only three of those like kind of through something else shots that i yeah. can think of but no I there think, might have been more but i think that's it no i think that was good yeah i think steven spielberg did a pretty good job well and honestly like this is an adaptation too so and it's been done so many times i didn't know that that's interesting yeah. i think obviously this is the most famous adaptation just because tom cruise and dakota Fanning yeah. and whatever but and steven spielberg um but yeah i thought he did a fantastic job with it and i think he always does a pretty good job um a lot of his movies pull on that like sentimental like family kind of like thing. Yeah, I thought that it was interesting. Um, just the choice of like the movie is an apocalypse movie, but at its heart, it's a family drama. Uh-huh. And I thought that was interesting. Like it, it explores the relationship between him and his son and daughter yeah more i would say almost more yeah like i was confused about the apocalypse at the end i was not confused about his relationship with the son and daughter which is probably why he felt like i think probably the family dynamics he wrapped up with a in a bow so he felt Mm -hmm. good about that and then it was like oh wait crap (laughs) the the b storyline was the whole freaking apocalypse (laughs) and i didn't really have morgan freeman can you come in here and explain this yeah i wonder if that was like an afterthought like (laughs) well because like he has narration at the beginning yeah he like bookends it and i'm i do wonder if they were like oh crap we gotta have some more explanation that'd be an interesting thing to find out for Mm -hmm, sure mm -hmm. Um, i um yeah one scene that also struck me as powerful i i wrote that it was intense and like heartbreaking that scene where he almost had to like choose between his two kids yeah 
Um, so there's a scene for whatever reason, for whatever stupid reason, this 15 year old boy wants to like, just try to go like join the army without like, 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 I think that's the dumbest part is that they wouldn't be like, sure, kid. Here, they'd be like, yeah, they'd be like, what are you doing? Like, you're not enlisted. You're not like, whatever. You're getting in our way. Well, I mean, I guess maybe if the, it was a time of crisis, they would welcome but also, anyone. Like, but they don't have it, like a gun for him or anything. Well, and it's not like manpower is helping them. They're right, giant yeah. alien robots. It's not like, <laughs> oh, thank God we have more people. A 15 year old. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so he's like running towards because I think he's saying like, no, we have to fight back. And Tom Cruise is like kind of like nah we gotta run and so he leaves his little girl by a tree and goes running after the the brother and it's like and they have like this what i thought was a really great moment too acting moment directing moment everything he kind of tackles his son to the ground and they're having this like yelling argument in the middle of like the chaos and then it kind of calms down to him saying like you're not doing this because i love you and you can hate me all you want but i love you and you're not doing this yeah and then during that so the boy is still just you have to let me go that's yeah. what he kept saying yeah and he's like you, he's like no he's like i know you think you have to do this you do not right this is not your fight this is not your job like i love you you're not doing this and it starts off as like angry but then they kind of like melt into just like please don't do this yeah um but anyway so he leaves his little girl because he's afraid she'll get like trampled if he takes her up there um and this woman comes down and is like oh my god this little girl's alone like we have to save her which Fine. I understand, I guess. Uh, I was telling Jess, I was like, I don't know that I'd be able to leave a little girl. I agree. I agreed with that. But also I was like, but she's saying her dad is right there and she's literally yeah. pointing to him. Like, but, but, I, but it's chaos. I yeah, mean, like uh, that's what I was saying. It's, it's like chaos. And if someone was like, no, my dad's there, I'd be like, OK, there's no way your dad's still alive over there. Yeah. And why would so, he have left you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, why would he leave you? You're confused. You just come with me. Get out yeah. of the line of fire. We'll figure it out later. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so he leaves a little girl by the tree. This woman comes by and is like, we have to take her. She's alone. We have to help her. And she's like, no, my dad's right there. I promise he's coming back. And he sees these people starting to take, grab her hand and be like, come on and run with her. And they're, you know, they're trying to help. They're trying to take her to safety and help her. But he's looking, he's like, I, if I let go of my son right now, he's going to go into this line of fire where I don't want him to go and he's going to die. But I see that these people are taking my daughter off into this crowd of thousands of running and panicking people. And I might not ever find her either. Yeah. And so he has this moment where he has to like choose between like the two. Yeah. And I just thought that was a really great, I don't know, interesting moment. And he acted it so well and he ends up choosing to, because he can't, I guess it's at a point where he can't stop the boy. He's kind of made up his mind and he's too big for him to like physically drag back, you know? So he has to like, and if he keeps trying to convince him, he's going to lose the little girl. So he just gets up and eventually has to like abandon his son and go save the daughter. Yeah. I feel like and he I just probably thinks like he's going to lose them both if he stays with the son. Right. Like, yeah. Because the, he, I, I think he just gets to a point where he's like, A, he's too strong and too big for me to like pick up and carry away. And he's very resolved. Yeah. And he's so it's either like I have to convince him to get up and walk with me, which isn't going to happen. Yeah. Or I have to leave him. Yeah. And he and honestly, ends up like, leaving even him. like the direction for that scene too, like the sun starts like literally crawling away and he like touches his like yep. all the way down to his feet. Like he won't let his feet go, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. I thought that was a really powerful scene. And because I, because I was a film major in college, <laughs> um, I always, I'm like the obnoxious person at movies where I'm like, there's like 30 people behind the camera for that shot. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm like for the set, but what I thought was crazy, 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 crazy was them having that emotional scene, like him and the sun, and there's so much stuff going on behind them. Yeah. There's explosions. There's yep. people running around. There's like all oh, this whole like military thing. And I'm like, and they have to nail that scene. Yeah. 
like the acting of that scene with all of this other stuff going on around them. Yeah. And really it has to be quiet because they can't get their audio, you know? So I'm like all these background actors and stuff. I'm like, that's actually very impressive. Like yeah. he chose to shoot it that way. He could have shot it completely differently where you yeah. couldn't see the action going on behind him, but it, it yeah, built up the seeing, chaos. Yeah. So like the, the scene is shot mostly again, he tackles his son to the ground. He's like on top of him kind of pressing his shoulders down. Yeah. And it's like some the cameraman like almost imagine he was like laying on the ground yeah i know they probably had like a small tripod but you know what i mean yeah and um <laughs> yes you can see like i just loved how you could see like all the feet of people yeah. like running by and like the chaos kind of like you said but then they're like still i don't know it was a really cool shot he's like really did, great it at didn't that. detract from like the acting of the scene but you definitely could tell that there was stuff like going on like yeah that's hard to do we got to talk about two cameos not cameos. Um, <laughs> two people that showed up in this movie that had very bit roles that are beloved characters outside Morgan of this movie. Freeman? No, Holly Flax. Yes, Holly from Flax. the office. Yes, um, she was his neighbor uh, during the lightning yes. storm. And then Chessie from the Parent Trap. Yes, is also in this was for like for half like a half scene, half a second. Yeah. I know. Um, she's somebody that he knew. I don't know how, but was trying to get on the ferry. And spoiler alert, she doesn't make it. I do have a question for you. Yes. And I know you're supposed to ask the questions, but no, I wrote you a, can question ask me a question down. And the question is, do you think aliens exist? Ooh. Um, no, and, I don't. Interesting. What's your reasoning? I, I have no proof, obviously. <laughs> Nobody right, has any proof right. either way. I just think we would know by now. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, gen I genuinely believe that. That's a good point. But I know a lot of people who believe they exist. But you would think so. But we can't explore, really. It's true. But like the fact that so like, like how none of the know? the fact that like none of the other planets in our solar system can inhabit life. Yeah, like I'm like I don't the to me it's like I don't know. I just feel like we would know. I have the opposite opinion. Do you? Yes, I do. No, it's good. I love it. I, you I do mean, believe I, in again, aliens. I don't say like concretely. I'm not like a conspiracy over here, like being like, no, they know man and they don't tell us. Yeah. Um, but I, I just feel like, doesn't it seem like weird that we like there's all these solar systems and then a we can't explore them we have no way to explore them so like who's to say like i feel like aliens in movies are always portrayed as like way more technologically advanced than we are but it's right. like who's to say that if we can't reach them they can't reach us either that's true you know and so i just always kind of it just seems silly not silly but it seems far-fetched to me that of all these millions of planets that we know exist and like yeah the infinite cyberspace that is space yeah there might not be anything else. I feel like I would never be so arrogant as to say, I know for a fact that they don't exist. Yes. There's no proof though. I mean, there's it, no proof it, either way though. That's right. That is the truth. That's the, that's the thing. And I, so I just have to go on the logic that why would we be the only one? I also think that I, but I am a little bit of a firm believer that Bigfoot exists, but that it's just God's prank on humanity <laughs> that we'll never be able to like prove that it exists. And then like Nessie, like we're all going to get up to heaven and he's going to be like, gotcha. 
Oh, it's so funny because all the comments on like Bigfoot videos are like, we can get crystal clear images of like the tiniest caterpillar on a leaf and you can see every part of it. And like, so why would we not be able to get a clear shot of this apparent giant gorilla man? Because God is pranking us. (laughs) I think it's an, I think it is a cosmic prank on humanity. That's what I think. I'm very, I am because I think God has a sense of humor and I think he's yanking our chain. I think. I, I genuinely believe that. <laughs> I, I actually, I believe that with my whole heart. I really do. That's how I feel about, I, I do think that aliens might, might exist. I, and I don't even know when I say aliens, I feel like the, the, you know, the classic depiction of it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're just people. Yeah. Like Could maybe be. they're just more, more humans or I, I don't know. I think it's possible and it's creeping me out because the older I get, the more I realize that like, you know, there's all this stuff that comes out. Yeah. Where they're like, no, no, the government literally like it <laughs> used to be like, up. yeah, it used to be like, oh, you like it's a an unidentified flying object or like a flying saucer. You're crazy. And now the government's like, <laughs> well, the thing is, yeah, yeah like we see those all that, the time. Yeah. And when there's all in like it's factual now, like all these things that they're like, yeah, we have no idea what that is. It's not made by man, but it definitely yeah. is not natural. We have no idea. And that's when I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> I don't know. It freaks me out. I don't I think ge- about it too hard on your drive home tonight. No, I know. I genuinely <laughs> hope, though, that if aliens, if you're listening, <laughs> if you listen to the Booth Cruise podcast, I, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, <laughs> they come down and they're like, what is this? Like, this is amazing. Jessica t-shirts. <laughs> this whole episode just about us. If you're listening, I just I want to believe that you're not mean. It would you always depict them as but like so the, like, a lot like, of like what, who's to say they're not just other people? Yeah. So the whole origin of HG Wells's initial which it's the first I think it's technically like the first invasion piece of literature. And I can't sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. That's no. just crazy to me how long ago he wrote 1897. it. Like he, that means he was like envisioning machinery before any machinery existed, really, yeah. except like conveyor belts. So like but his whole thing was like he was British and he was seeing the colonialism of Britain o- across the world, right? Oh. And he's like he's like, Well, what would happen if something from outer space came and did that to Britain? How would you feel? Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like a That's lot a of because point. it was the first like it, it, piece of literature about invasion i feel like that's always the depiction right is that like not always but like most of the time it is like colonialism right like they're coming down to like take over or um like they're not friends you know what i mean like they're not friendly but it's like like servitude but basically like just to give a basic rundown then we can cover any notes that we didn't get through but like the basic rundown of the rest of the movie is like they're on the run right so they're trying to they don't know they really don't know and to your point when we were watching the movie she was like this is um, scarier than like a quiet place in some instances because like in a quiet place like you're you get dropped in like the middle of it all and they've kind of already figured out how to survive and in this it's like Shock. chaos yeah. yeah and like nobody actually knows what's going on and nobody has any answers and like all the questions we have while we're watching it they have like yeah, what is this like, like it's like if they did a prequel to a quiet place it's like when the aliens yeah. took over like yeah. and, and a quiet place is still scary but they kind of get the ropes of like like they've already figured out what they're yeah. attracted to and what they're doing yeah and it's still scary because they're still attacking but like there isn't like the shock value or like the questions of like what is going on um but honestly like to your point a quiet place is very similar to this and that it is much more about the family than it is about the apocalypse 
you know, like yeah. the family dynamics. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if John Krasinski is a fan of this movie. I did think uh, when the when I first saw the aliens, the first of all, they were not scary enough. We <laughs> talked about that. They had doe eyes, like <laughs> yeah, little they like, like deer. A, they looked like puss in boots. I mean, speaking of, <laughs> of Spielberg, they reminded me of like, you know, the those things in Jurassic Park with like the the flap around their neck that he's yeah. like, oh, you're cute. And then it kills him. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what it reminded me of. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like their bodies reminded me and like the way they of walked reminded place. me of the A Quiet Place. Yeah. And, and just like, like the basement and them like coming down there and like. Yeah. And like the way that like at first you don't really see them exactly, but you just see like them walking by like that style. I, I was like, wow, that's A Quiet Place. And I wonder if he was slightly. If John Krasinski is a fan of this movie, probably. I would say he probably watched it. To yeah. Help or research. even if he's, yeah. Like even if he's not necessarily like a huge fan of it, he's, yeah. he's definitely seen it. And it, it seemed like it yeah. inspired him a little bit. Just like some of the shots were pretty dead on. Yeah. And I think too, like some of those are like staples of the genre, you know, but like, yeah. um, but yeah, for sure. But anyway, so they like, they're basically running. They don't know what's going on. He's just trying to get the kids back to their mom, which it plays into the family dynamics because the son is like, you just want to get rid of us so that you don't have to worry about us. And I think like by the end, like that's obviously kind of resolved. Um, yeah. But when we've already talked about it, but basically like they figure out, they do figure out before the shields go down, how to destroy them. Although we were like, it's going to take a long time. There are not enough grenades on earth to like just right. shove them up inside these like giant robot machines. Right. Um, and then by the time they make it to Boston, the, the alien ships are deteriorating and, dying off mm -hmm. and they're reunited and the son spoiler alert doesn't die i don't know how because he literally yeah, walked into hell? a massive explosion um but yeah so he survives and the I mean, family unless he hopped on a tank and maybe um and the family is like reunited and the, the really like the storyline of the movie is like very simple right like it's just like a survival movie like you're just yeah. trying to survive um obviously there's little like pit stops along the way with um Tim Robbins character and a couple other obstacles that they have to overcome. They get, they finally get to um, the second kind of act of the movie or not even a second act, but like the second place they get to is um, his ex-wife's house with the stepdad and a plane freaking crashes into it like overnight. Yeah. Um, and so then they have to move on from there. Like everything is just like there's something that happens and then they have to move. And there's something that happens and they have to move. And they're like yeah. keeping they're just moving. They Which just keep is moving. interesting because we were kind of talking about like, wouldn't it be smarter to stay at a place that had already been obliterated? Yeah. And like, why would you keep but then they they did hunker down with Tim Robbins and the aliens just came out of the ships work. and then yeah, yeah that's so true. I'm like ah maybe not yeah well that's and then true. obviously like you just don't know so you just keep going because you just hope like at yeah. some point you're gonna outrun them or like get to somewhere where they haven't been um, but it pretty much the first they run into like a news van at the the ex wife's house and she's like, like DC who's still New reporting York? news I know. at this point <laughs> she's like were you on that plane and he's like no and she's like oh that would have made an amazing story I'm like we're apocalypse right now who's right, reporting like, like yeah it was just crazy like i was like you're she's worse I was saying. she's worse than the guy with the camera to be honest i was like you're really committed to this job lady yeah. like i'd be like out of here but what i want to talk possibly yeah one more acting moment yes from I, tom cruise i have an acting moment too so i'll piggyback off this when you're done okay when okay spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert when he had to um kill andy different oh. tim robbins character yeah 
again, just one of those moments where you can tell exactly what he's thinking and the intensity of the moment by Tom Cruise was so, I don't know how you, how you would even say it, but yeah. it was a really strong acting moment. So he decides Tim Robbins character after he gets in the bunker with him, he realizes he's crazy. Yeah. And he thought that he was like a survivalist and that he'd be able to help them, but he really is just completely insane and is even though they know that like the aliens come for you if you make noise and like they can hear you and they'll come kill you. Um he's screaming. Yeah. <laughs> like literally not like, my blood. He keeps screaming not my blood. Yeah, and he's like and he's like saying like please I can't let my daughter die because of you you have to stop screaming you have to stop screaming. And then finally you see I just love like the decision I love a good like shift, like yeah. a good little beat Mental shift, shift in yeah. an actor. Yeah. yeah. And literally you can see like almost like hear his thoughts yeah. of where he goes from like pleading with him and like trying to do the right thing to like, okay, I'm going to have to like yeah. change my tactic here. Yeah. And I just, I just love that moment. And then you're like, I mean, yeah, you do. <laughs> like, like, yeah, you're going to have to kill him, man. Yeah. Yeah, you are. And then he goes and he blindfolds his daughter mm-hmm. and tells her to sing a song to herself. And then he shuts the door. Yeah. And then when he comes out, he's just like clearly shaken with what yeah. he's done. It, I just, it was really great acting. Well, I think too, like that's an interesting director's choice to not have us watch it. Right. Like, so like right. he shuts the door and then you just, it just happens behind closed doors. Right. Yeah. And I always think sometimes it's like more powerful than watching him, you know, beat the ever living crap out of him. You know yeah, what I mean? I, I think he drowned him. You think he drowned him? Because it, remember they were in like knee deep water and oh, he didn't yeah. really hear much of a struggle. Yeah. Like, there was no like hitting. Yeah. There was well, like and one they, like and, uh, they, and then. Yeah. And they do like Dakota Fanning's voice kind of takes over the scene. Like her singing that like lullaby yeah. kind of makes it creepy, you know? Yeah. Um, From an acting perspective though, I'm always impressed in movies like this. And I, there was one scene in particular and I'm trying to figure out where in my notes it's before they go into, I think it's in the field right before Robbie goes off into join the army. <laughs> um, but uh, when they are, when actors are reacting to something that doesn't actually exist, like, you know what I mean? Like those alien ships are CGI. Right. So like in the shot, they're, yeah. they're having to react to not literally nothing, mm-hmm. but they're like, you're just scared for your life like there's giant alien ships in the sky it's like the ultimate like make-believe right where you're like okay just imagine 10 alien ships in the sky and you're scared out of your mind and like the fact that they're able to like pull that like genuine fear and you feel for them like you're like oh my gosh like for me I was very, especially with like Dakota Fanning. I'm like, you'd expect it from an adult actor who's like calls yeah. himself a professional. Yeah. But from like a kid, like being like, okay, see that tennis ball up there? Um, yeah. That's an stick. alien ship. Yeah. Like that's an alien ship and you are terrified. And to be able to pull those like yeah. emotions, I'm like, that to me is always so impressive. Well, there's a, a movie with, so I, I mean, I just think in general, Dakota Fanning as a child is, is really impressive. Yeah. She's great. It's, it's really bizarre that her sister is now more famous than she is. Oh, I wrote like these movies just like stressed me out, stressed me out because I, when I watch them, I literally can't help but think to myself, I'm like, actually though, what would you do? Oh, like just like movies where you have no recourse. Yeah. Oh, it stresses me out, but that's just a random thought that no, I have I that feel I wrote that way down. About, like we talked about that a little bit, like post-apocalyptic movies and like how just I, like for me, it, hopeless like, they are. Yeah, they're hopeless, and also like it just puts me in like a funk for like a couple of days because I'm just like, 
like it just is like draining yeah no oh i remember what the line was i did write it what it was when he said let's think of a new plan that doesn't involve your 10 year old sister joining the army oh yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) that's what it was (laughs) your 10 year old sister joining the big swooping yeah so he's like been calm with his son calm 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 even though they don't really get along and then the first time the son tries to leave and like jump on the army which again i don't know what what his plan is that like the army guys are like you're gonna get yourself killed dude take me with you yeah and he's like take me with you You have to take me i want to help fight and he's like and he's like dad we have to go back we have to fight and he's like great plan next time let's try to think of one that doesn't end with your 10 year old sister joining the army yeah it's like that's that really big swing right there at the end that's a tom cruise staple it's it's like did you order the code red did you order the code red um oh oh great acting moment alert we need like a sound bite yeah it's like great acting (laughs) alert um and this one was when his son they were leaving the station with on the ferry boat and his he's been running and even though he keeps trying to tell his son like you don't have to fight like that's kind of the whole theme is like the the dichotomy between him and his son where he's like in survival mode running mode which isn't i mean proves to be like the well they both kind of proved to be the right option i guess because they both survive so maybe that's the point but he's more in like self-preservation and daughter preservation mode because when his friend played by the woman who plays Chessie in the parent trap gets left behind, he looks at her and he looks sad, but he doesn't try to help her. And the son, not even necessarily specifically trying to help her, but it's like an interesting thing of like this woman that for whatever reason he cares about, it's his girlfriend or I don't know. Something. Yeah, they know each other. Something, yeah. He, But he doesn't go over and try to help her. And I just thought that was interesting. He just like looks at her and it's like, oh my God, that's so sad, but what are yeah. you going to do? And yeah. the son runs over and the the wall of the the ferry is closing and he starts climbing it and grabbing people and pulling them in and there's this moment of tom cruise where even though he repeatedly is trying to get him to stop doing that and put himself at risk and be more of a self-preservationist like tom cruise character he like has this look in his eye that's like he's really proud of it at yeah. the same time and it's almost like that's what i can't do yeah and i think like and it's actually brave. a good like character setup too because then all of a sudden it kind of makes sense like why he wants to go fight like he's a helper right like that's yeah. what he wants to do like yeah. he's in a time of crisis like that's how he deals with it right yeah. and so it's like it doesn't it feels out of the blue up until that point but then when he finally decides to like go you're yeah. kind of like it makes sense for his character yeah and it's inter- again it's just the interesting like the the opposition in that between tom cruise and his his character and his son yeah. because the, everything tom cruise does he i mean he kills a man because he thinks he's going to get his daughter killed yeah like everything he does is for himself and his two kids and he yeah. doesn't ever necessarily go out of his way yeah. to help anyone else whereas yeah. the son all he wants to do is go out of his way yeah. to help a- a- anyone else. Like yeah. he wants to help in the army and fight. He wants to pull people over the side, whereas Tom Cruise is very much. And neither of them are, are necessarily bad. I think like a lot, of, especially at the beginning of the movie, it's like setting up the like alpha male like dynamics of like, yeah. who's like because Rachel, you know, Dakota Fanning's character obviously finds more solace and protection in yeah. Robbie because she knows Robbie better because right. she's with him all the time. And there's like a moment where she's like, when he's like, what your 10 year old sister in the army, that whole line where she comes over and she's like, Robbie, if you left, who would protect me? I know. And her dad's like, with her, and which like, is interesting because yeah. he does protect like he does. Right. So like, but that's what's funny is like he actually ends up being the one protecting her instead of Robbie. Yeah. But he almost does it in ways that are less like he does it by running and right. he does it by killing a man behind closed doors. Like he does it in ways that are less obvious. Whereas yeah. Robbie has like the, her like therapeutic exercises yeah. that she does and he hugs her and holds her where, and the dad's just like, yeah, 
I'm just thinking logically. I'm thinking preservationist. I'm thinking this is what we have to do. There's no emotion in it. Yeah. And so it's almost like she perceives that the brother takes care of her more, but really they, they both do. Um, anyway, so I wrote that, that proud dad moment was a great acting moment just in his, again, in his eyes, doesn't have to say anything. You know exactly what he's thinking. He's thinking I'm really proud of my son and I could never do that. Yeah. Um, I thought another great Tom Cruise acting scene in this was right after they, um, drive into that sea of people in their van and then they get pulled out and all this stuff. They like walk into a diner. Yes. And it's like the first moment that Tom Cruise kind of lets himself break down. Yes. Or he's like overwhelmed by when they lost the car. Yeah. And I was like, dang, that was good. Well, it was a great moment too, because not only did they lose the car, so he pulls, they start trying to yank him, yank him out. They grab the son and they're like beating up the dad and the son and the little girls in the car screaming. Yeah. And they're trying to, and the little girl, it's really scary because the little girl tries to crawl out of the window. There's just like, like grown men like piling in there on top yeah, of her. Yeah, like that. Yeah. And the dad's like, get out of the car, Rachel, as he's like being beat up because they're like, OK, we lost like the car is going to get stolen. So she's got to get out. So she starts trying to crawl out the window and all these men are like crawling in on top of her and like burying her and she can't get out of the car. And like yeah. the car is about to drive away with her yeah. in it. Um, That's and when he fires the gun. Yeah. So he, so he, in a moment of desperation, I guess, fires the gun. Everyone starts backing up. And then, of course, there's one other person with a gun yeah. who gets behind him. So he's his, you know, he yeah. can't do anything. So he drops the gun. He's like, okay, I, I just want my son and I want my daughter and you can have the car. And then, as, so then they get the car. So he's like, yeah, okay, go ahead, get your kids and leave. And I'm taking the car. So he takes the car and uh, drives away. And as they're in the diner, you see the car driving and the man who has the car gets shot in the head. Yeah. Like the guy who stole the car from him. So that means that they were like, he was like one second from getting shot. Right. Yeah. So that's like partly why he breaks down and he just sees that and be like, okay, that was like two seconds from being me. Right. And yeah. And then all you see, all like you see him get shot and then all these people pile in and like drives away. Yeah. And I just thought that was like a really strong moment, like yeah. you said. Yeah, it was really, really good for sure. Um, all right. So I have a few trivia facts for Kay. you. Um, and then we'll Maybe. wrap this up. And some of them we've covered, so I'll skip over those. But um, so the one scene that shows uh Ray running out of his house to find Robbie um with dozens of people, it's right after the lightning storm when he's like takes the car and he's like going and trying to find him. Yes. There's all these people photographing the lightning storm. <laughs> So to film that scene, producers actually hired people on the street to come at the time of the filming with a camera and film so they could get pictures of Tom Cruise for free. So like they were like, you can just bring your cameras and take pictures like because that's what we need in the scene. Like, isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is funny. Okay, so you were three when 9-11 happened. Yeah, I don't remember it. I, I was born in May of 98, so. Oh my gosh, you're such a baby. Yeah, does that make me three? Yeah, three in a few months. Yeah. So did you pick up, I know I'm, I know you've seen stuff about 9-11, right. obviously, in the decades after. Right. Um, did you pick up on any symbolism from 9-11? We, it's in one of the scenes and we kind of talked about it, but I didn't say anything while we were watching the movie. I did not on my own. Okay. But if you point it out, I might, but so I did not on my own. Remember when he comes back in and he's covered in like the ash? oh yeah that's so, like those images yeah, yeah so a lot of so obviously this came out four years after 9-11 yeah um so and they were very fresh on they everyone's minds they would have filmed it in 2004 yeah so it would have been three they would have yeah. filmed it three years after yeah um those were all very specific steven spielberg choices and even the camera footage like the footage that shot during that scene of like the alien coming out of the ground um is specifically meant to mimic amateur footage that was shot <sighs> during 9-11 wow um and so 
like for I was a freshman in high school when um 9-11 happened and I like immediately I was like oh yeah like I could see the correlation between the two yeah see I now that you point that out yeah with especially with the dust because yeah. like there's all those images all of people just covered like, in dust yeah. the tripod design for the alien machines is yeah. actually based on his original description from the book so oh. like everything else was updated for the movie obviously but like they took it pretty specific from the book, which I think is interesting because, because I would have thought think that, that out of yeah, his brain. Yeah. That I would have thought like, Oh, so they've like modernized what we think of aliens. Like, and it's not, that's like pretty accurate to the description, which I found interesting. Interesting. Um, so the crew started filming only seven months prior to its release. So we talked about this when Steven Spielberg couldn't make it to the Oprah Winfrey thing. Um, but so in order to finish the movie on time, which Steven Spielberg is like known for turning around movies like super fast. What do you mean turning around? Like movie? between filming and release. So oh, like having yeah. like a short amount of time, he's yeah. like known for that. Yeah. Um, but so in order to finish on time, they filmed all 500 plus CGI effects shots first. So wow. they literally were like, they just mapped out so that the P the CGI people have enough time to like work on it. Right. Yeah. So they'd send the dailies out to the CGI farm or whatever. And they would start building all of this stuff out. Um, which I found just from a filmmaking standpoint, fascinating. Cause that's like a, that's a producer mindset of being like, okay, so if we're going to finish this on time, right. what are the shots that are going to take the longest in post? And then they do like the kitchen scenes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So this is a fascinating piece of trivia okay. about this book. Okay. So, um, there, are you familiar with Orson Welles? He did Citizen Kane. He's like. Big time director, big time actor, early Hollywood days. Like, yeah, but not really. Right. But like, you I know who it is. But you've heard of him. Yeah. Um, so he had a radio show. So one of the adaptations of War of the Worlds um, came on a radio show that uh, Orson Welles did. So mm -hmm. he produced it. He like performed it, whatever. Yeah. So they took War of the Worlds and he did a radio broadcast like from the perspective of a news reporter. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like a fictionalized, I mean, it was fiction, but like it sounded like a real news report. So he did war of the worlds, but like from a news reporter's perspective and people thought that it was Ooh. actually happening. Oh yeah. Like it was like 1938, I think, or something oh, like that. No. And people started panicking because they thought like, like they, he it did was a so, movie. No, it was a radio show. Oh, like, so he did it. Oh he, my God. Yeah. Yeah. He had a, he had That's a, they're used to hearing the news. Well, he had, so the radio show was fiction. Yeah. So he did, it was like, um, they were like serial, you know, so like each episode was like a different story. Right. Yeah. And, um, he, so this episode he did, he just decided to take this and like put a spin on it. And like, it caused like panic <gasps> because people thought that it like legit was happening which I find hilarious because also um, you, I'm like Orson Welles has to be so good at what he does that people actually believe that it was happening. You know what yeah. I mean? I wonder, I bet you can, I think you can find it. There's YouTube clips of the actual radio show. Like I'm going to go find it like later. Certain That's recordings. So I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So I loved this piece of trivia because I'm a huge JJ Abrams fan, but before David Kep was hired, he's the writer on the movie. Okay. Um, Spielberg and Cruz asked JJ Abrams to write the script, but he had to turn it down. Why? What was he working on in 2004? Rack your brain for JJ Abrams things. It's a TV show. He's very famous for. I don't know. Lost. 
Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So he was working on the pilot of Lost. I'm super familiar with all his... Like, I know he he's is. He's great. Kind of another one. Like, I don't... I I'm, I couldn't, like, list off things he's done. Yes. So he... um, Lost was kind of, like, his second baby that got him... Like, Alias was the first, which is, like, my all-time favorite TV you show. Have it right there. I know. I have yeah. all of the Alias. Um, And Lost was, like, his big second thing that he did. So he was working on the pilot for Lost, and he was like, sorry, guys, I can't do it. Early in the movie... When they're at Ray's house, when Robbie and Rachel are at Ray's house, Mm -hmm. um, they're watching TV. There was like a SpongeBob scene. Like she was like flipping channels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And there's a train crash scene from the 1952 movie, The Greatest Show on Earth. Mm -hmm. Um, And it can be seen briefly when she's flipping channels. But Steven Spielberg specifically put that in because it was the movie that made him want to make movies. So he loves that movie. And he put it in there as kind of like an homage to that. Um, And then my last little fun trivia fact is that this is one of the only few films to be nominated for the Oscars and the Razzies. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. So a divided audience um, on War of the Worlds for sure. But honestly, I do think it was the couch jumping thing. I just think people really razzed on Tom Cruise. Anyways, Emma. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Of course. This was so fun. Yeah. Emma and I are big movie buffs and we see we see movies together from now, you know do. from yes. time to time. Yes, yes, yes. Um so it was only a matter of time before you made it on the booze cruise and I am glad that you were here. I am too. Thank I know. you. You'll have to come back. Me. I have a lot more movies left, so you'll I know. have to come I'll back. I'll do for another one with you. This is fun. All right. Maybe. Sounds good. All right, yeah. until next time. <laughs>